What do you see when you look out of the window? Trees? Cars? Maybe that neighbour's cat doing his business once again just outside your door? Some of us may see dismay, fear, things that have gone wrong. Other of us, opportunity. In 1918, a German sociologist called Max Weber issued a lecture which popularised the term Enzenbergen, or translated de-enchantment, the de-enchantment of the West. When we looked out the window, he said, we didn't see spiritual things, we didn't see forces and powers hidden, uh, but yet real. Instead, we just see stuff, matter, atoms, things. And then in the 60s and 70s and 80s, a French philosopher called Paul Michel Foucault said that when we looked out the window, we didn't even see stuff, we just saw the reflection of ourselves. What do you see when you look out of the window? The biblical story, the narrative it tells is of Adam and Eve living in a world filled when they looked out upon it. The presence of Yahweh, the creator, God himself was there, walking, being with them, fellowshipping with them. But then there was a rift, a separation took place as they chose to reject him and follow their own path. And it talks about how there's angels with swords who stand. It's an interesting way to put it, isn't it? But the, the, the narrative they're telling of a separation between what is seen and what is unseen with the world of the earth and the world of the heavens, God's realm and our realm. But the story, the narrative of our Bible is that God would not allow that to stay. He wanted to rejoin his realm and the realm that he'd made of the earth. And so he he would appear in interesting and gracious and fascinating ways. There's a guy called Jacob. He actually was running away, laying his head on a stone, And it's like heaven is ripped open, a veil between God's realm and our realm, between heaven and earth, between the unseen and the seen, is ripped open. And a stairway or a ladder is shown, and there's angels ascending and descending. God is coming into the the seen space to redeem, to promise, to offer, to restore. Moses, later, is a shepherd, just out in the wilderness, again, almost running away. And a fire is burning, a bush is burning, but it's not burning up. And it's like, again, God says, I am, I am the one. I am who I am. I have appeared. I've opened up this curtain, this divide. I've stepped out of my space into your space to say, I'm here for you. I want to rescue you. I want to liberate you. I want to bring my life and my freedom to you. And Moses, as he takes, he goes back to the people, he takes them on a journey. He begins to establish a tent. And the tent becomes like a portal, like a doorway, like a, a, a room in which you could go from the human world, the seen world, into God's world, into the unseen world. And the tabernacle, as it's called, is then turned into a temple. And the temple becomes this doorway, this way, the gate, the ancient door between the seen and the unseen. Isaiah, centuries later, is in this room, in this building, but no longer does it seem to be a space where God is present, where the doorway to his realm 
is easily opened. And then suddenly out of nowhere, a coat, a giant coat, the train of God's robe fills the room and he's, it's like a ripping open. And God's like, I will be, I will be present. I will come in. And then a guy called Ezekiel, a crazy man, a wild and crazy man, is by a river. A river in Babylon, far away from this house, far away from this space, which was meant to be the doorway. And yet, as he looks, heaven is ripped open. There's a tearing of this veil between the seen and the unseen. And wheels within a wheel and a thunderstorm and lightning and eyes and beasts. And this incredible, mysterious and terrifying vision takes place. And then it seems to go quiet. For a long period of time, people live and they, they realise there's an unseen reality that they can't access. Until a man, a bit like Ezekiel, a crazy man, John, is also by a river, in a river. And as he's there, there's a ripping of the heavens. And as the heavens are ripped, not a stairway, not a ladder, not a bush, not a fire, not a coat, not a train of a robe, and not eyes and mysterious thundering and lightning. A dove comes and lands on a man. And John looks and says, this man will become the gate. He will become the access point for all of God's realm, all of the goodness and the redemption and the life and the forgiveness and the freedom and the hope, all that should have been present in our world that we can see is accessed through this man. This man was Jesus Christ. And we see through the testimony of the New Testament, everywhere he went, he would make the poor, the sick, the lame, the blind, the lost, the lonely. And he would bring into them the access the riches and the treasures and the resources of the unseen world and he release it into them. What do you see when you look out of the window? Just a few weeks ago, our eldest son uh, was injured really badly uh, playing sport. And I sat in a hospital room and I looked out of the window and I saw fear and I saw sadness. So there the awfulness of the situation. His pancreas had been ripped. He'd been rushed into uh, intensive care and then they realised it wasn't quite as bad as that, but still very, very serious. And you sat in this room thinking, if ever I want there to be a tearing of any veil between what's seen and unseen, let it be now. Jesus, I can't see you physically, but would you come and be present to me? And it felt almost like a hand reaching through any curtain or veil and ripping it open, placing hands on my shoulders and the peace and the love and the sense that Jesus himself could be present even though unseen was something I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And that is the testimony follower of Jesus after follower of Jesus. Even though we look out the window and maybe don't see him physically, he is here by his spirit, unseen and yet just as real as anything that you can see or touch. What do you see when you look out the window? A hero of mine, John Wesley, who uh, was in the 1750s and almost into the early uh, 1800s, when he looked out the window, he saw a country and a, 
the UK that was growing more angry, more, growing more uh, divided, a sense of more and more of the poor being left and alone. And he, he looked out and he said, God, I, I want to see your world breaking in. And he talked about means of grace. And he said, there's five ways that maybe we can do these things. They don't guarantee. But if we do these things, it enables us to access the door. We can go to Jesus, meet Jesus where he's found. The way to access this unseen, heavenly realm, God's realm, and sit, come in to our realm. He talked about prayer. He talked about the word, the Bible. He talked about collective, the Christian collective, gathering as other Christians, as church. He talked about the Lord's Supper, and he talked about fasting. And as he called people to do those things, set about those things, actually the, the doorway, the, the means of grace rushed in through him. He just saw not only in the UK, but then through others like Jonathan Edwards into the whole of the really the, the UK and the, and the USA, a great awakening. And you know, Wesley was on to something. One of my favourite things in the whole of the Bible, I just can't get past it recently, is this church in Antioch. You see, these people in Antioch, what they'd done is they'd seen Jesus, they'd seen what it was like to have him around. He'd reach out a hand and power of the unseen realm would rush in and bring healing. He'd speak a word and the, the knowledge and the wisdom of the unseen world would just come through him and unlock problems. They'd seen Jesus move and the presence of God, the overwhelming sense of love of this God who made all things would come through him and, and they wanted that. And so what they did is they gathered and they were a funny bunch of people. There was Simeon called the Black Man, which, you know, I guess is probably not something I would be called. He probably was a black man. And there was Menaean who had grown up with Herod. He was, he was a super rich kid. He'd grown up with a silver spoon in his mouth. And, and there was uh, Lucius who was from Libya. And there was Paul who... You know, he could start a riot when he's on his own eating his breakfast. And Barnabas, uh, from Cyprus, who obviously was a, he was a Levite, he's seeped in the scriptures. And the, these strange group of people gathered, and it says they worshipped, they prayed in worship, and they were fasting. Two of those means of grace that Wesley identified. And, and as they did that, it's almost like this portal, this break the ripping open of the break, the distinction between this earth and, and the unseen and the seen took place and, and there's a sense they say God, Jesus himself is saying set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them to and you know just that little act that that group of people chose to do that where they said you know we believe and trust that if we do these things then something of the power and wisdom and authority of that world can break into our world and they just, all they did was pray and fast but what came out of that is absolutely astonishing because at that point there was really just a few little groups of a few people who followed Jesus but more than 14 churches were then planted all over the Mediterranean including into Europe and more than 19 young leaders were trained up and sent out and this tiny little Jewish sect became a global, worldwide, life-changing source of joy and goodness for millions and billions. And it just takes me back, it just makes me think, what if we just chose 
to be like those guys in Antioch? What if we just chose to say, let's put ourselves in these means of grace. Let's just put ourselves in this place where we would say, God, would you rend the heavens and come down? Would you cause salvation to spring up from the ground? Would you speak to us in your wisdom? Would you release upon us your power? Just the simple means of grace to access Jesus Christ, this gateway, the door between the seen and the unseen. So that's what we want to do to contend for spiritual awakening is to put ourselves in the place where Jesus is. Say, Jesus, you show us. Would you move in us? It's my prayer that we will be people who emulate that Antioch church. Simple prayer, simple worship, simple fasting. Say, Jesus, open that door. Open wide you ancient gates and let the King of glory come in and use us, a strange group of people, to release hope and goodness and life all across this borough and beyond.